Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. It's good to be up here as we continue our series in the book of Hebrews entitled, Jesus the Perfect Priest, the Superior Sacrifice. Last week, Pastor Matt preached a sermon, Faith Over the World, where we, we learned about those in the Hebrews Hall of Faith through chapter 11, those that, that did great and wonderful things for God. Can you bring that down just a little? <laughs> we learned that God's faithful, looks, uh, God's faithful people look beyond this world for their reward, not in this lifetime. Without further ado, let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we praise you because you are the giver of all good things. Lord, we just want to hear your truth this morning because we came to worship you in truth. So Lord, just let us hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, some of you might recognize this gentleman on the TV, and some of you might love him, or some of you might hate him. For those that have no idea who this is, this is Tom Brady. Tom Brady, love him or hate him, it's hard to deny that he is one of the best quarterbacks that ever played the game. In fact, Tom Brady has been doing this for 22 seasons. We're not sure if he's actually retired like he said this year, but it's looking like he is retired, but then he's not retired, and then he is retired. But think about that, 22 years playing an NFL quarterback position. The lifespan of most NFL quarterbacks is three and a half years. Think about that, 22 years. In those 22 seasons, he had 10 Super Bowl appearances with which he won seven of those ten. If you see the one on his, what is that, his right-hand ring finger, the, you know, the one with the bucks on it, that's probably the only one he, sh- he should throw the rest of those away, I mean, because that's the best one. <laughs> but anyways, that's just me. He won seven championships in, in ten appearances in the Super Bowl. That's unbelievable. He was, out of those ten appearances in the Super Bowl, he was five-time Super Bowl Most Valuable Player. He also took the overall uh, Most Valuable Player of the league three years out of those 22 seasons. So love him or hate him, it's hard to argue that he is not one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever played the game. So how exactly did this guy compete at such a high level for so long? Well, some people would say, well, it's just great genetics, which that could be true. He probably, you know, was blessed with some, you know, the ability to throw a a football 65, 70 yards. I can't do that. So obviously genetics plays a a key to that. But Tom Brady would tell you it's his love for the game. It's his love for the game that fueled this insane, insane, and I'm going to talk about it here in a second, dieting that he did. I mean, the guy probably didn't see a donut for 22 years. And his training programs that he put himself through is what allowed him to be at the top of his game for 22 seasons. That Buccaneers ring that he won was in his 21st season. Normal eating day for Tom Brady, well, like I said, you're not going to see any bread, pasta, cereal, pastries, or wheat flour-based foods. 
Uh, this is what it looks like for him. Breakfast, a smoothie with berries, nuts, bananas, seeds, and oh, by the way, lots of water with his TB12 electrolytes in it because he sells those as well. His morning snack would be a, a protein, uh, a post-workout protein shake. So after his morning workout, protein. Lunch, he follows a 20-80 variable, meaning 20% is going to be protein with like a lean meat, and 80% is going to be vegetables. Uh, snack after that is uh, another protein shake, but check this out. He would have hot bone broth, which is said to be made out of the bones of bald eagles. No, I'm just kidding. I made that up. <laughs> Dinner the same. As lunch, 20% meat, 80% veggies. Dessert, his famous avocado ice cream. I don't know how that tastes, but it doesn't sound very good. Um, and if he got crazy, he would have a little chunk of dark chocolate. So be like Tom Brady, eat dessert. Um, so his workout plans, probably not much different than a normal NFL guy. Five to six days a week of, of heavy cardio, body weight exercises. However, he did do like yoga and some other things to, to keep his flexibility. He was really big in that. Uh, and heavy lifting only in the off seasons. Here's the point. Tom Brady lived by such a strict standard for most of those 22 years in which most people couldn't sustain for a year. I mean, it's hard to live like that. Heather and I did the, the, the keto diet uh, for a couple years, or actually a handful of years off and on, and it's militant. It's hard. And, it, and you get to the, where you, just, you almost feel like you're in prison. But this guy did this for 22 years. He denied himself, worked out almost every day, probably missed vacation times, events with uh, family and friends, you know, cookouts, barbecues, you know, basically anything that we would feel is fun <laughs> in, in this life. Why? Because he had a goal to be the best NFL quarterback of all time for as long as he could perform that, that function. We just covered the, the Hall of Faith last week, and we saw examples of men and women who were willing to serve God and glorify God no matter what it cost them, even to their own deaths. Their level of commitment to God and to their faith in him caused them to do great and wonderful things for the kingdom. The difference between them and Tom Brady is a big difference, though. You see, he did it for the temporal. He did it for the temporal thing. And I'm not knocking him, and, and I, I give him his props for all he did, but all those rings one day are going to be meaningless. In fact, there's someone sitting in here that are like, I don't even know who Tom Brady is, and I don't even care. But this is something that he dedicated his whole life to. Those in the Hebrew Hall of Faith that we just learned about, they dedicated their lives to the eternal, not the temporal. I'm telling you, as, as amazing his, as his career was, there's some people that don't even like football. I don't get them, but it's true. So no one could deny this guy's commitment to the game. They, all of his teammates would say he's first on the field, last off the field, you know, watching game footage. I mean, just a student of the game. And it, it started to make me think, imagine, church, what the church would look like, not just our church, but the church, the global Christian church. What would the church look like if 
we were all as committed to the kingdom of God as Tom Brady was to football. Think about that. That's exactly why the title of today's sermon is Committed to the Faith. Committed to the Faith. As we just heard about and read last week, the writer of Hebrews gives a short list of, of some really great examples of faith in the hall of faith and how they were willing to endure anything and sacrifice everything just to glorify God and to further his kingdom. Let's get into our text this morning. We're going to be starting chapter 12, first three verses. Uh, read along or follow along on, his, on the screen as I read. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Con consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. If we took these three verses and we boiled them down into one main idea, we get this. Let us mimic those in the Hebrew Hall of Faith in their commitment to knowing and obeying God. Let us mimic those who have come before us in their commitment to, first of all, knowing God, and second of all, obeying God. We can look to those who were completely committed to following the path that God had placed them on, who did great and amazing things for the kingdom, but no one did it as perfectly as Jesus, who was totally committed to the Father and to the Father's will when he was on this earth. Let's break these verses down to see why this is true. Looking back at verse number one, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So, Many times, as you've heard, especially in the book of Hebrews, the, the, the writer does it a lot. He'll start off with a therefore. So we've got to figure out what the therefore is therefore. That therefore is therefore here for this reason. Clear as mud. These saints, therefore, these saints showed such faith through the worst of all conditions. And they would have had great reason to stop and great reason to second guess God because it cost some of them everything. So we should take notice of their commitment and to their faith and what they would receive when they crossed the finish line. That's a really long therefore. They were willing to sacrifice everything to complete the race that God had set before them. So we also should be willing to part with anything that hinders us, anything that hinders us from us fulfilling the purpose that God has saved us for. Well, what can hinder us? Sin. Lay, away every, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us. We cannot run our race if we're bogged down by sin. Why? Well, we're running a race. 
Think about that, that picture. We're running a race. And when you're running a race, you must be as light as possible. You could take two athletes that have the exact same uh, athletic level, make them race, and have one hold a weight. Who do you think is going to win? The one that is traveling light. It's very easy to see. The lighter you are, the faster you are. And church, sin weighs you and I down. If we plan to live our life fully for God, we will have to deal with some things, a.k.a. sin, that might hinder us from running our race. And again, it's important to to point out the race that God has set you on as a believer. I can't run your race, and you, you can't run my race. God has us all on a different path with the same goal in mind. But they're different. And church, sin is our enemy. So talking about sin, other than the obvious sin, there are, there's a way, there are ways that sin permeates into our lives that we might not even recognize. I want to talk about three of them this morning. First of all, sin that hinders proper belief in God. There is sin that hinders your proper belief in who God is and what the Bible says. Second one, sin that hinders your service to God. It's sin in your life that that hinders your service in what God is calling you to do in your life. And the third one is sin that quenches the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you realize that when you're saved... The Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside you. And anything God asks us to do is not done in our own power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, if you have unconfessed sin in your life, that can quench the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So let's look at the first one. Sin that hinders proper belief. Sin is believing something. This sin is believing something that's contrary to what God's Word teaches. Because if you're believing something contrary to what God's word teaches, you're basically calling God a liar. God said it in his word, therefore that is the truth, and we don't get to debate that. This is probably one of the most important aspects of sin, I think, and it's overlooked all the time. There is so much out in the world right now that is masquerading itself as the truth of God, and it is scary, folks. If you don't have a proper view of who Jesus is and a proper view of what the Bible says about sin, how can you, how can you discern sin in your own life? It's, it's almost impossible. In fact, there are many churches today that although the Bible clearly teaches something on sin, they kind of avoid it or they'll cleverly twist and turn it so that it's, it's not such a big deal. This is the same sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. And when Bible-believing churches get up and preach the truth of God's word, many times they're seen as hateful, homophobic, bigots, simply just speaking the truth of God's word. Do you guys realize that we have churches within our fellowship right now that are in Canada and uh, we, we talk to, uh, you know, some of them sometimes because uh, uh, one of the guys that helps us in assist actually, you know, is up in Canada. 
But when they stand in this pulpit to preach, they better be very careful of some of the things that they say. They better be, they they have to tread kind of lightly around a lot of hot button topics. Why? Because simply someone could get offended and report them to the authorities, and there's real consequences. This is happening today, guys. Some feel like they have to purposefully stay away from topics like gender, marriage, sexuality, even leadership roles in the church and in home. They have to avoid those things. Listen, here at this church at Villa's Grace, I shouldn't even say when or if, but when that starts to affect our lives, we're going to be in trouble, folks. And it's easy for us to say that now when I'm going to preach what I'm preaching and I don't have any fear of any consequences other than maybe my wife telling me she didn't like a couple of my jokes. (laughs) It's easy to say now, but we preach through the Bible verse by verse. And when you do that, it's hard to avoid these topics, especially when you're just preaching the truth of God's word. And I can speak for the leadership here when I say this. It's all because we fear God more than we fear man. We strive to follow this great cloud of witnesses. You know why? Because they completely went against their culture. As you go through and you read about those those people and God called them to go do big things, a lot of times church, it was, they had to go against their culture. They had to go against their families. They had to give up possessions, jobs, lives just to protect the truth of God's word. In fact, that list, if you look in, in, in chapter 11, they were tortured. They refused release from prison. They were mocked. They were flogged. They were in prison. They were stoned. That means that they stood out in a square and people got in a circle and they threw giant rocks at them until they were dead. They were sawn in two. They were destitute. They were afflicted. They were mistreated all to defend God's truth. It's too bad that they weren't a part of one of these uh, name it and claim it ministries where if they just had enough faith, they'll get a Ferrari and always be healthy. I wonder what one of these people would think if they heard a sermon about that today. I think someone might stand up and go, really? Because I was sawn in two. Guess I didn't have enough faith. So first of all, we must avoid the sin of misbelief. The second one is sin that can hinder service to God. Sin will always affect your service to God. When we're living a life bogged down in sin, We're not going to be in tune with God. We're not going to be able to hear God. We're not going to be able to understand what it is that he's calling us to do in our race. And when this happens, it's really easy to point out. Why? Because serving God will start to become secondary to everything else in your life. It just starts to become secondary. Even church will become a burden. It's just the sin of I'm just too busy. I often hear people say stuff like this. I'm, I'm struggling to, to plug it, to find a church and to plug into a church and even make it there every week. But you know what? But I do good things for people throughout the week. You know, I'm, 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 I'm still God's, 
you know, child and I'm out there and, I, and I'm making things happen. You know what? Church is not the only place where you can serve God. And you should be serving God outside these doors because the church is not a place, it's a people. But your main service to God should come through this place. This should be your main place where you plug in and you serve God. Why in the world would God bring us all together, gift us all differently, give us a job to do if he didn't want us to work as a team? What's sad is that it would be like if we were a football team. We'll stay with that theme and, you know, Pastor Matt's our quarterback and, you know, other leadership maybe running backs and, and you guys are the blockers and, and we have a game plan on Sunday and we come and we're ready and we're like, go team, but then some don't show up. Some show up, they're not prepared. When it's game time, people are completely unprepared to fulfill their roles. And here's the thing, church, there are no small roles. You might think, you know, I just do something really small, and, you know, if I don't show up Sunday, no one's going to care. We need everybody. Every church that is trying to accomplish what God is calling them to do, needs the body of Christ. That is the church. Do not let sin keep you sidelined. The third one is sin that quenches the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. When we have unconfessed sin, it quenches the Holy Spirit, uh, the power in our lives. And, and listen, it's not about earning or losing salvation. We don't try to check boxes and say, well, I don't do all these things, so I'm a great Christian, and I do all these things, so I'm a great Christian. It's, it's about keeping a short sin account. It's, it's being able to, be, to, to repent and be forgiven and being cleansed and, and be healed of, of sin in your life so that God can use you the way he wants to use you. Some people wonder, why is my prayer life not so great? Why is my reading the word of God so fruitless? Why? You might need to repent, be forgiven, and be restored. I have to do it daily. It brings us to our first point this morning. While we can never be perfect, because there was only one that was perfect, we cannot effectively run our race weighed down by sin. We just simply cannot. And it's not about being perfect enough to earn God's love. Listen, when I was an unrepentant sinner and didn't give a care in the world to what God thinks, Jesus died for me. He's already proved his love to me. It's about being able to hear the word of God and receiving his power to carry out his work. That is why we're on this planet. We cannot be champions of faith unless we are fully committed to his way. As we talked about Tom Brady, he was so committed to his role as quarterback, it completely changed the landscape of his entire life, his day-to-day -day life for almost 22 years. He spent training the best way he knew how, eating the most extremely strict diet because he thought it would give him his his best chance to compete, missing time with family and friends, probably vacations, holidays, all to obtain the highest prize in his mind, right? I'm ashamed to admit to you guys this morning 
There are many days where I am not as committed to God's kingdom as Tom Brady was to football. Lord, please forgive me for that. And it reminds us of our main idea. Let us mimic those in the Hebrew Hall of Faith in their commitment to knowing and obeying God. You see, that is the key. That is how we stay on task. Going to verses uh, 2 and 3. See, we can look at these Old Testament Hall of Famers and, and all the great things they did who lived by faith, but most importantly, as it starts out in verse 2, we are to be looking to Jesus. Why? Because he is the focus of our faith. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So we look to those who came before us, but especially Jesus. Why? Because he, was, he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He is the founder of our faith because if without his work on the cross, we wouldn't have a faith. We could not have faith in Jesus, in the person and works of Jesus, if he wasn't who he was and did what he did. Therefore, he is the founder of our faith, but he doesn't just leave us there. He's the perfecter of our faith. Simply meaning, if, as we follow him, he makes us more like him. That's it. It's no big secret. We follow the example of Jesus, and as we do that, he makes us more like him. Jesus' example is living a holy life. Like I said, he was the only one that's perfect. But that is our target. We strive to live holy like Jesus. We strive to be obedient to God the Father like Jesus. Every time you hear him in the, in the, in the Gospels, when he's talking, he's like, if it's my Father's will. Or Jesus slipped away to pray to the Father. Jesus said stuff like, I don't know the time, but my Father in heaven does. He always followed the will of his Father. He endured hostility for no reason. He endured violence for no reason. He endured shame and eventually death on the cross for no reason. This was the race God had set before him and which he graciously accepted. He did it not only to pay for our sins, but so that he could show us as the greatest example to those who call themselves Christ followers, which is us. He is our greatest example in how we make our way into the presence of God. Listen, church, you want to be your best you now? Look at point number two. We are our best selves when we are in full obedience to God. That's it. That's as good as it gets for us here on this earth, folks. We are our best selves when we are in full obedience obedience to God. And we see this truth displayed by those that are in the hall of faith, and we look to our Savior's life on earth as the greatest example. As I close and, and I call Joe up, I want us to think about this one statement as we kind of go over our points this morning, because I, I believe 
it's, if, if, if this is the only thing you leave with this morning, I think it's, it's worthy. I wonder what the church would look like if we were as committed to God's kingdom as Tom Brady was to football. Think about that. Something he was so committed to that's so temporary and fleeting. And when you really think about the fact that life here on earth is like a grain of sand compared to all of the beaches of the world. That even is a a bad example. But our life here on earth compared to eternity is just like that. A grain of sand compared to the beaches of the entire world. But I also want us to be encouraged this morning as we remember our first point. While we can never be perfect, we cannot effectively run our race weighed down by sin. Let me ask you, sisters and brothers in Christ, are you running your race? Are you running your race that God has placed you in? Life is not a spectator sport, especially the Christian life. Nowhere in the Bible will you see God say, I have saved this person, and now I'm going to put them on a shelf over here until I come back. You don't see that anywhere. And what's great is Jesus has done the work for us. He's done the work to free us from the sin that weighs us down. Church, it's not about working harder. It's about believing more that if we keep our eyes on the prize, which is glorifying God, Jesus will help us run the race that he has set before us. Here's something that you need to know. Do you know that God, if he calls you to do something, he is completely willing to empower you and equip you to carry it out. God will never ask you to do something that he's not willing to equip you and to empower you to endure. It might be getting stoned to death. Apparently, my, no, I just died. True faith in Jesus produces obedience to God and his word. True obedience is produced when we have our faith placed in Christ. We look to Jesus as our greatest example. We look to him who, who bought us by his own blood and showed us the way to eternity which is where our Father in heaven is right now. We not only have Jesus to look as our example, but also those who came before us. As we remember our second point, we are our best selves when we are in full obedience to God. So church, we remember those that came before us as we remember our main idea. Let us mimic those in the Hebrew Hall of Faith in their commitment to knowing and obeying God. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you that we have your son to follow as the greatest example of how a Christian should approach this life. But Lord, also thank you that we can look to many people who are human just like us, who you also give us as great examples of how we should run our race. Father, help us lay aside those things that hinder us from doing well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. 
For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.